a Podcast One production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is the gentleman who knows it all <laughs> on international relations. Dr. Keith is literally, you're an expert in this field. You've been, it's been a passion of yours for a very, very long time. So not only are you mostly well-read on these issues, and that's anything that's happening in the world on the international stage, but you also, it's a, it's a pet project. You do this with your heart and you absolutely adore knowing what's going on in the world. You're also very good at breaking it down for us, and that's what we do. We choose a situation in this podcast every week, something that's going on in the world, and then we break it down to make it really easy and digestible because some of the stuff is very complex. So my name's Kate Mack. We know each other very well through TV and radio over the many years, work together, so it makes sense that you can educate me along with everyone else on this one, Keith. Today we're talking socialism, which is strange because... There's always alarm bells from conservatives about socialism, but really socialism hasn't existed in its in 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 such a form, like that purest form, for decades, Keith. Well, it depends on how you define socialism. That's I think the real problem. And this is the this is what I find so fascinating with the debate in the United States, where you've got Senator Sanders, who calls himself a democratic socialist. So you you have a variety of interpretations of what constitutes socialism. I think that we probably ought to be dealing just with the Sanders approach, mm-hmm. rather than trying to look at some of the other theoretical approaches from Marxist scholars. So in the case of Senator Sanders, he, he's an independent, proclaims himself as a democratic socialist, and of course is, is a Democrat frontrunner at the moment. So um, we could end up with a, a, a presidential contest in November between Senator Sanders and President Trump, so one of the wealthiest politicians going up against Senator Sanders. Who, who claims to be speaking on behalf of the poor people in America. What has triggered the popularity, I think, of Senator Sanders has been partly the growth in inequality in the United States, that we're seeing that the rich are getting richer. Now, the poor are getting richer as well. If you're a poor person, the chances are you're probably living a bit better, say, with access to mobile phones or television, than you would have been 50 years ago. So the poor are getting richer, but the wealth, the wealthy are getting even richer at a really high rate. And you had this so-called 1% movement, which is the young demonstrators who started at Wall Street, not in Wall Street itself, but nearby at Zuccotti Park, complaining about the uh, way in which a lot of poor Americans are just being overlooked. And you've got a handful of individuals who own a huge amount of America. So it's interesting to note that if you add together the wealth of Bill Gates, he's in computers, Jeff Bezos, which is Amazon, and Warren Buffett, who's investment. So you add those three together, the wealth of those three people is equivalent to the bottom 50% of Americans. What? It's an incredible statistic. Yeah. So half the American population, totaling up all of their wealth, will actually, in fact, it's actually slightly less than the combined wealth of these three men, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett. And this is the world's richest country. <laughs> and the world's richest country, but it's not necessarily one that's good for, for equality and spreading the wealth around. It used to be a lot better, right? So you go back to President Eisenhower, who is not, no longer eligible to be in the Republican Party if he was still alive, <clears throat> but in his day, the highest marginal tax rate 
was either 87 cents in the dollar or 92 cents in the dollar. So America has had a tradition of people paying a lot of tax. If you're paying a lot of tax, you have no financial incentive to uh, have a dramatic increase in your pay packet because most of the money you make will be donated to the US government. Mm. So that's why the salary difference between the CEO and their workers would have been so small in the 1950s compared to what we've got now when you end up with bank CEOs earning millions of dollars a year compared with their their humble workers uh, in the bank branches. So we have seen, therefore, this growing gap between the rich and the poor. Another really worrying statistic is that 40% of Americans could not find an emergency sum of $500 if they needed it, say, for a health care bill. Remember, health care is the number one cause of personal bankruptcy in America. In Australia, this is inconceivable. No one is ever going to go bankrupt in Australia because of their unpaid health care costs. The government just simply pays. People, individuals do go bankrupt, but in this country, it's usually because they've invested in too much real estate. But you never get, you never hear of healthcare-induced bankruptcies. So Senator Sanders has tapped into this dissatisfaction that's going on. So he's saying, uh, and it's a very mild program, remember? We ought to perhaps do a separate program on, you know, what are the different, all the different strands of socialism because obviously the North Korean leader would say he's socialist. President Xi would say, well, it's a Chinese Communist Party, right? They all claim to be on that spectrum. But then, sorry, but then the right-wing governments in power around the world love to use it as a throwaway line. Oh, they're a socialist. Exactly, yep. Scaremongering. So, So scaremongering, exactly. So Senator Sanders is talking about free education for students, talking about health care for all, which is what we have in Australia. The United States is the only country without uh, universal health care, the only Western country, that is. So in Australia, if you're taken sick, you have your Medicare card, you simply show that and you get your, your treatment. The United States does not have that. Great Britain does. It's called the National Health System and you have equivalents in France and Scandinavia and Germany, etc. But nothing like it in, in the United States. Attempts that have been made over the decades to introduce universal health care have always been blocked. The first one was made by President Wilson around the time of World War One. Not that America was involved in World War One, but the critics said this smacks of German socialism. We're not having it in America. So this is a struggle that's gone on for about a hundred years. Obama was the last president to introduce um, changes, but he largely backed down to the healthcare industry, which is a massive industry in America. So we this is one of the differences between Joe Biden and Senator Sanders. Joe Biden is defending Obamacare or Affordable Care Act is the technical term, which President Obama introduced. But that's not universal health care. You've got Senator Sanders saying we need universal health care. The Obamacare does not go far enough. We need to have this much more wide-ranging thing. So Senator Sanders, therefore, talks about free education, universal health care, and the fact that the rich will need to start paying taxes. And that's a big issue in America, isn't it? It is indeed. Warren Buffett says that his secretary pays more tax than he does. (sighs) That's disgusting. (laughs) And uh, when... um, 
Uh, Nelson Rockefeller was the vice president in the United States. Rockefeller, of course, being one of the richest men at that time in America. He was horrified to see how little his secretary received in salary and the size of her tax bill compared with his tax bill. So if you're really wealthy, you don't pay tax. But then you could say the same in this country for certain well-known Australian corporations who arrange not to pay tax in Australia. We won't go into the details, but there are a number of big-name corporations um, that, that don't pay tax. You, and, and as you said, nor do they have to, unfortunately. No, because they've got an army of smart accountants who can then so rearrange their finances. So Senator Sanders is saying we should have people paying more tax. There was an interesting uh, point in the debate between Senator Sanders and Mayor Bloomberg. Mayor Bloomberg is basically Republican but now running as a Democrat and he is saying that he's earned his money. He's, he's worth about $61 billion and he's earned his money. But Senator Sanders pointed out is, no, you didn't make all that money. Your workers did. The workers made the money that you now enjoy. So, again, you see these distinctions that are coming out. That's why in the United States, during, so far anyway, during the election campaign, there's been so little attention to foreign policy because they've got so many of these domestic issues mm -hmm. that they've got to get their heads around, including the whole infrastructure issue as well, by the way. So President Trump, or candidate Donald Trump, promised <clears throat> that they would spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure, which I think is a brilliant idea. I, I support Donald mm -hmm. Trump on that. America's got 50,000 bridges that are unsafe to travel over, but they can't be closed down because there's no money to rebuild them. What? So it, the infrastructure in America is gradually crumbling. Uh, there's one rail railway line out of Manhattan to the rest of the northeast of the United States. If that tunnel gets frozen over, you can't get trains to move off Manhattan onto uh, the mainland of the United States. So it's a very vulnerable situation. What is interesting about China is that whenever they think there's an economic slowdown, they go out and buy another, build another bridge, right? Because that's how they keep their economy ticking over. Build infrastructure. Build infrastructure. This is why they've got these buildings, these cities without anyone living in that's them. That's right. But they have good infrastructure. And, and Trump thought he could do the same thing. But he, as far as I can tell, he's not putting the money into the infrastructure. I support him on this issue, but he's not putting the money into that infrastructure. Whether he's decided to break that promise, I don't know. We don't know. But it, it shows why in the United States you can run an election campaign this year without talking about the rest of the world because you've got so many domestic issues to deal with. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. We're talking about socialism today, but only in the context of the American election coming up and Bernie Sanders' version of uh, socialism because at the moment it looks like he's going to get the nomination, which would be, you know, 77-year-old 77 man, a lot of passion, <laughs> but very left-wing as well and yeah. much more left-wing than any of the other candidates that we can see, Keith. Yeah. Um, but also, interestingly, uh, I guess you need an extreme to take on an extreme like Donald Trump, which is a lot of the, uh, a lot of sort of commentary is sort of saying that kind of stuff. But also um, Trump has been, and, and other Republicans unashamedly use the word socialist when they throw around Obama's name or Joe Biden's name or Bernie Sanders' name, for that example. It's, just, it's a scare tactic, as we talked about before. What do you think, though, are there any policy ideas that Bernie Sanders is throwing about that would be 
acceptable to a Trump supporter, like these white males that we talk about that were the well, you know, his backbone. I, I, yeah, his, the Trump supporters are, are sort of solidly Trump supporters. You can't win them over. But they only represent um, a small percentage of the total number of Americans. Remember, American voting is voluntary. So a lot depends on getting your voters to trudge through the snow in November to vote for you. And so if you go back to where we were almost four years ago, Bernie Sanders was also running there and was up against Hillary Clinton for the Democrat nomination. And the Democrat Party figured that it was going to be Hillary Clinton's turn. What is interesting is the speculation that if Bernie Sanders had been the Democrat candidate up against Donald Trump, could he have beaten Donald Trump? Because they are appealing to a lot of alienated traditional Democrat supporters. So you've got old Democrat supporters, blue-collar workers, who feel betrayed by the chattering classes that they see dominating the Democrat Party. So the Democrat Party is a bi-coastal party. In other words, you see it down the East Coast, you see it down the West Coast, and the middle of the country is, is now no longer that Democrat heartland. And so Senator Sanders would have spoken the language of a lot of those angry white men and women and, and could well have appealed to them. Remember, Mrs Clinton lost the election by a handful of votes in a handful of states, all in what are called the flyover states. In other words, that the Democrat Party is on the East Coast and the West Coast and you fly over the Wisconsins of this world. And yet they were the ones that Trump's better election strategy targeted. I became aware of this issue with Michael Moore. So Michael Moore is an American filmmaker. A lot of people would have seen stuff over the years. I'm just trying to think what the big names Bowling were. for Columbine? Yes, yeah. of course. So he is a Trump demographic, right? He's non-college educated, which is a polite way of saying they're not all that bright. Non-college educated, overweight, white, middle-aged. Michigan. Michigan, yep. So, he, so Trump listens to him because Trump tries to communicate with people like Michael Moore. Michael Moore is not a Trump supporter. He keeps emphasising that. But Michael Moore was able to warn the Democrat Party uh, four years ago that Mrs Clinton needed to visit these flyover states, not take them for granted, because Trump was visiting them and was becoming very popular with the message that he's got. And, of course, Senator Sanders, although he talks about socialism, there is also a tradition of rural socialism in America, what's called agrarian socialism, so some of those Midwestern states are actually quite radical in some respects. My favourite bank, which I've actually tried to open an account with, is the Bank of North Dakota. All oh, right. Sorry, we need to address why that is your so favourite bank very Dakota, quickly. Right, we, we are now in solid red territory, <laughs> right? God, gays and guns. We love God, hate gays, think everybody should have a gun. Solid Republican territory. But the Bank of North Dakota was not affected by the global financial crisis in 2008, the CEO earns a salary of $130,000 a year, makes a surplus which goes into the state government. So it's a government-owned bank, a bit like we used to have in Australia before the new right took over and we sold off the Commonwealth Bank and the and the state uh, banks um, for uh, agricultural activities, etc. America, ignore, or at least North Dakota, ignored that, 
continue to own the bank, continue to receive the surplus that's generated each year by the bank. I actually wrote and said, look, I would be honoured to have a bank account with a, with a bank that I could talk about, you know, and boast about associating with because I'm so embarrassed about the public standing of Australian banks. This was before the Royal Commission. But the Royal Commission, of course, has only added to our cynicism about the Australian banking system. But unfortunately, in order to open an account with the Bank of North Dakota, you have to be living in North Dakota. I'm not going to move to North Dakota just for the purpose of opening a bank account. What do you mean? God, gays and what's the other one? God, gays and guns, yes. You're not the supporter? (laughs) So what is interesting is that there are parts of America that would say we're not socialists, but then when you actually look at how they behave, they are. They run farming cooperatives. That's a form of socialism. But that's what I mean. I don't think, I think the definition of socialism gets lost in the fear-mongering tactics. So we we need to look at a program specifically about different brands of socialism. But Senator Sanders, if he were in Scandinavia, would not be seen as a radical politician. So in Scandinavia, you do get free university education. I tell my American students at Boston University that if instead of uh, going to Boston, they'd actually gone to Germany, they would be able to get a free university education. And some of the classes are held in English. So you've got Germany, you've got the Scandinavian countries. Similarly, of course, all of those countries in Europe have got universal health care. And, of course, you do not get the same, except for England perhaps, but you don't get the same huge disparity in the wages between the CEO and their employees. I remember being in Helsinki and you'll see a CEO on the tram, the trolley. <laughs> They're not going to go around at a flash chauffeur-driven limousine. They, they go around on public transport. Mm. So it's a different sort of mentality. He would fit in very well in that type of side. just shows the extent to which America has moved out to the extreme with this reliance on the market. You know, if you go back to what Roosevelt did, Roosevelt was, was the president at the time of the Great Depression. So you'd add Herbert Hoover who was president, who, by the way, made his fortune in Western Australia, digging up gold, retired in his 40s because of all the gold he'd got out of Western Australia, later on moved into um, public life as US president. He lost because the depression was was kicking in. This is the worry, for the, by the way, for President Trump. Every American president since Herbert Hoover, who has presided over recession, has not been re-elected. So Herbert Hoover in the 1920s, Carter, Bush, senior, they all go down if there's a recession. If there's a recession in November... You're all screwed. Exactly. It trumps out. Anyway. And isn't there talk of recession just quickly? There is. There is absolutely talk of recession, partly through coronavirus and all sorts of things. So what we see then in the United States is that President Roosevelt comes to power in 1933 and gradually transformed the American economy. So the US government then becomes much more involved in all aspects of society, including planting trees in the Midwest. It created its own organisation for taking photographs of planting the trees in the Midwest, the re, you know, getting rid of the dust bowl, etc. So the US government became very heavily involved in running the economy. That was under Roosevelt. Now, Roosevelt was criticised by his own wealthy peers for being a traitor to his class. But he said, we've got to revive the American economy. And that's what he did, quite pragmatically, became almost a socialist, if you like, 
and that continued through after the war with Harry Truman and then also President Eisenhower. The real changes in American society begin under Ronald Reagan, where we end up now with the situation that we've now got. So Senator Sanders would feel at home with President Roosevelt and he would feel at home if you were in Scandinavia or Germany today. So you've got to be very careful when you hear people accusing him of being a socialist. It just shows the extent to which America has moved to the right. God, well, is there much further right to go, Keith? That's the question. Well, who knows what could happen. If it becomes more and more libertarian, absolutely, because there you have less government and more guns because you're going to have to be responsible for yourself. Those people who say I'm opposed to big government and people should own guns, I say, well, go to Somalia. They've had 20 years without a government and people being well-armed and look at the economic chaos. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. That's a good point. <laughs> Keith, as always, thank you. Thank you. We've learned a lot. This has been Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app. 